Welcome to another episode of Awareness to Action Enneagram Podcast. My name is Seth Creekwinner, but you can call me Creek. And with me is Maria Jose Munita. And you can call me MJ. <laughs> there it is. And uh, we have Mario Sikora. How can we which... call you, Mario? Just call me Sir. <laughs> what's your, what's your first middle first name? Uh, my middle name is John, believe it or not. MJ. Yes. Okay. There you go. <laughs> you know, there you go. All right. Yeah. Um, so, ironically, we are talking about preserving in this episode, um, and I can't wait. the 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 other two on screen have the sniffles, or uh, they're recovering from COVID. So, and I just got back from having a physical, in which I found out I have twenty thirteen vision. So I don't know what wow. that says. Um, it's like Superman, right? You can, you can see through lead or something. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you have twenty twenty vision, which is like the average, and then you have all the way down to twenty ten. So what twenty ten is what most people can see at ten feet. I can see at twenty, but I have twenty thirteen. So it's like what most people can see at thirteen. I can see at twenty feet. Gotcha. So. I you know, I, I never had any idea of how that worked. <laughs> yeah. I, I never knew what I did. I, that don't, that's, that's I still don't. I didn't understand yeah. anything, but it's a good thing. Oh. So it's a good thing? It's okay. a good thing, yes. <laughs> that's yeah, good yeah, yeah. enough. <laughs> so a foot, a foot is a third of a meter. Yeah, I'm kind of getting that. Say. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, so I can explain it again. No, 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 no. It, it means it, <laughs> it, it, it. I want to know if it's good or bad. <laughs> We are all navigators uh, on this episode, on this podcast, okay? Um, so we all have an interesting relationship with the dreaded word of preserving. What, what is a laughable moment that you have found yourself in the past couple of weeks where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not paying attention to preserving? I'll share one I, I don't know that was in the last few weeks. It was actually a few years ago, but it's one that always sticks out in my mind, right? So we moved into our house uh, some years ago. And we have four kids. And so we were at some parent-teacher thing at the kids' school. And we'd been living in this house for a good five years, okay? And so I'm talking to one of the other parents, and we're talking, oh, where do you guys live, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I'm describing where we live. And she says, oh, so your house is the Tudor with the blue trim, right? And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. And, uh, and as I'm walking home, because we live right around the corner from the school, I'm walking up to my house and I look at the house and I realize we do not have blue trim. Uh, we have brown trim. So for five years, I'd been living in this house and hadn't noticed. It just had not registered on me what color the trim was of the house, which shows this indifference to preserving things, right? The preserving is all about nesting and nurturing. And I just... You know, I couldn't care less. Even to this day, you ask me what color my living room is. I could not tell you right, uh, yeah. with any degree of accuracy. Interesting. you have anything? Yeah, so, so it's interesting because lately I've been sick since COVID. I've been having one thing and another and nothing too serious, but I've been thinking a lot about health and preserving things. However, I realize how unimportant those things are to me in real life. Like, for example... My daughter, who was away for six months, my one of my two daughters, is now here. I have to prepare lunch for two kids. They don't eat the same. So it's two different lunches every day. And I know that I have to do that. I, I want them to eat healthily. 
And every night I forget to prepare lunch. I mean, to think about what they will eat the next day. And I have to improvise something in the morning and I find something to do. <laughs> but it's like, I know it's important kind of in my mind, but I don't do it. I mean, I end up doing something, but it's not probably good enough, whatever, but... You're a bad mother. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm so good in so many other ways. The, the, the evidence, you know, I don't know, just as an outside observer. Yeah. Uh, How about you, Greg? Well, so many people, I mean, this actually might be the first time I'm saying this live on air. Um, I would have previously put myself in the preserving category, but Mario just wanted to be right. So he suggested... <laughs> Own it, Greg. Might... Own it. <laughs> he suggested that I might be a navigator, and I get paid extra, Greg, when I you know when <laughs> yes. I convert people to, to something. There it different. is. Yeah. Um, so it, it's been a it's been a journey to figure out if that is accurate or not, and I I I feel like it's accurate. For instance, I I, I would imagine this is pointing to the indifference of preserving, but. I rarely look at the uh, total of my bill at the end of a meal or groceries. Just like, well, I'm buying these things because I want these things. And yeah. here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I made the choice. Move on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I'll figure it out later. Yeah. Later. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, uh, I don't have as many stories because I've been living most of my life in, in <laughs> considering that I am... Uh, a preserver. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how. So, more so I, I, I want to comment on this because um, number one, confirmation bias is a big thing, right? And when I first was working with the Enneagram, I was convinced I was a self-pres eight, right? And uh, for a couple of years, and I remember going to the Riso Hudson training where it was focused on the subtypes, and and I knew Don, uh, you know. Um, Beyond just being at the at the trainings, we had mutual friend and and during the training, Don comes up to me and says, um, he says, uh, Mario, have you figured out your subtype yet? Right? And I said, Yeah, Don, I'm a self eight. And he says, No, you're not. You're social, and walks away. Right? And uh, now, uh, you know, of course, you're not supposed to do that, right? That breaks, you know, Enneagram teacher, you know, one hundred and one rules. But, uh, but he was absolutely right, and he was Don Riso, and I was not, so you know, I, I paid attention to it. Um, but what I realized is that there were a few things that I do that you know we could throw into that preserving domain, and that's what I was fixated on, right? That's what I saw because. I latched onto those ideas and, you know, that's what I kept telling myself, right? And that was confirmation bias. But when I stepped back and, you know, started looking at, you know, again, what we call navigating now, it's like it was just everything in my world, you know? It's where my attention went all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not uncommon for people to misidentify their instinctual bias because they get a couple of ideas in their head. Mm Mm-hmm. So. And, and I do think that the, the main thing for me, the hardest part for me, was the amount of what I would label as preserving activities that I am interested in and do on a regular basis and think about that I couldn't quite see the navigating part of those preserve, preserving activities. Yeah. But we can get into that 
later, right. but let's just let's just start from the beginning. Preserving, what does that entail? So we always think of uh, preserving in, in a real simple way as nesting and nurturing. Okay, uh, it, it has to do with how do I take care of my well-being? Uh, how do I take care of my environment? How do I take care of my offspring? Right, and this is why we don't call it self-preservation because. It is a cluster of behaviors and adaptations that ensure we have the things that we need, right? But it's not, you know, with the goal in mind of preserving ourselves like we talked about before. It's just I preserve things, and that way I have them when I need them, okay? And, yes, that serves the preserving of me, but usually, like we talked about before, these instinctual biases work elliptically, right? I don't crave oranges. I crave sweets, Okay, and that might turn into a craving for orange, but it extends beyond that in case we run out of oranges, right? So it's at its heart, uh, preserving our nest, ourselves, our well-being, etc. And And the nest could be my office, my team. It doesn't have to be yeah. just the nest at home. So it, it's at home, but for example, for yeah. a preserver, usually the team, it's kind of the offspring. And it's, but it's usually a limited circle. It's not a big circle yes. that I would include as my offspring and as part of my nest. Yeah. My nest is rather smaller than bigger, but it's not just at home. And it's not a literal nest. I don't live in a nest as we've established already. I live in a Tudor with brown trim. So, uh, yeah. uh, is, is a nest always a physical place or physical thing? Or can it be can you preserve with ideas? Uh, a nest is a state of mind, Creek. Um, no. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. No, <laughs> no. It's, it, it, it's not always a nest, and it's not always physical resources. You know, in fact, one of the things we'll talk about is holding on to traditions. Okay, now again, not every preserver is focused on traditions, but we see a higher proportion. And this is an important thing to say before we go any further. These things we talk about, nobody does all of them, right? Nobody does anything all the time. Not every, you know, not every trait is as visible in every preserver as some of the others that we're going to talk about, right? But very often what we see in preservers is I want things to be the way they were when I was young. I want this continuation of traditions in some way. Holidays are often a big deal. Again, not always, but, you know, uh, the other thing we see, you know, something really, really common is, is photographs, right? A lot of preservers are fanatic picture takers of the kids and the, the, the offspring. Uh, Maria, is there going to say something there? I'm just agreeing with my with my face. Yeah, <laughs> with your eyes. Well, this this is an audio, uh, you know, I know, uh, but, but format I'm not here. Supposed, Mario's I mean, eyes. that's not yeah. supposed to show, so I'm just doing it. If you want, I can stay. I can freeze. <laughs> no, no, no. Speak, speak. <laughs> no, I was thinking about my husband, who was a preserver, who likes to take a lot of videos, not just pictures, and we're doing anything, and he's shooting videos and we're all like come on stop it let's leave the experience but years later we're all happy watching the videos yeah it's uh, my wife does the same thing i mean you know terabytes and terabytes 
of pictures mm. and that she sorts through and then, you know, uh, goes on the Walmart uh, website to have these, you know, uh, photo albums put together, these books, you know, of different trips and all that stuff. Using this as just a, a, a platform to continue figuring out my own navigating, preserving things. So I'm a four, right? And we're sorry. It's <laughs> the worst. Um, when it comes to holidays, I'm a big holiday person. And I don't know if it's the cultivating of nostalgia or if it is more of that preserving the way things were. Um, I'm also the person who is sneakily recording special family moments or whenever I get my grandma talking about her time in Denmark during World War II, I just turn my phone on record and I'm preserving these stories of my heritage. Happy moments and difficult moments? Just any moment. Oh. Just any moment, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I don't want to, um, you know, fall into the trap of trying to explain everything from a t- particular point of view, right. right? And there's a lot of times it's the why of what we're doing in addition to the what of what we're doing. Right. So for a lot of preservers, when I want my, you know, the, my Christmas to be exactly like it was for my children, it's, it just feels right to be that way. Mm. Right. I can't even put it into words. I have no justification for it. It just feels like how else would it be? Right. It just makes me feel good. Um, and yeah, there's an element of nostalgia. There's an element of, you know, again, takes me back to this warm, comfortable, safe place. Now, some of the things you're talking about, you could also look at that through the lens of collecting stories, right, about, Mm. you know, society and environment. And that can be a very navigating activity as well. And identity. Right. And identity, Mm. you know, right, which is a very, you're absolutely right, Maria Jose. So so there's a lot of different ways to look at this. And so, you know, Creek, the reason this whole thing, you know, came up regarding you, again, look, you know, I... I don't get paid any extra for, you know, somebody being a different and he was, type. Was you, in know. Doubt. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, I have no investment in it. All I know is that whenever I talk to you and we talk regularly and um, we've spent time together, you know, um, you know, days at a time, it's just all navigating stuff, mm. right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's just what comes up, you know, and... And it's different than, you know, say with David, right, who's with us, right? But, you know, there's a, there's a different conversation happening, mm. okay? Yeah. And so for us, it's, you know, again, not so much getting too caught up in any specific thing, but what is the, what is the trend line, right? Mm. What, is the, what is the bulk of the activity focused on? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that there's something that might be useful as well for... Uh, people to understand about preserving. And what I see in preservers is that there's this attention to preserving my personal resources, my energy, my time, my money, my... I, I want to pay attention to how much energy I have and how much I want to spend. When I look at you, Craig, you're willing to invest and spend your energy in things that might not have a return necessarily. You're mm. willing to do that, and nav- uh, navigators tend to do that, but preservers are more careful with that. Mm. So 
regardless of if you like to cook or take pictures and all of that, there's these preserving, as I said, my personal resources that I see in most preservers. Mm. And I've never in my life met a preserving four who's not going to look at the check, right? I mean, yeah. just, you know. I tried to you make know. you pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to go that far, but, but you know, I mean, look, you know, again, we add the type into this conversation and with the four, it's envy, right? And so what we get with the preserving four is time out. That's mine. Don't mm. touch it, right? And in fact... You know, I think you got a little of mine by accident, and I want it back, you know, sort of thing, right? And, I, I you know, again, yeah. I've just never seen any of that in you. So, right. um, sorry to my preserving four <laughs> friends, but you're cheap. I, you know, I do think, doing? and I think the, the questions, like, for me about the holiday thing and the recording, it's so easy to be to think, well, yeah, I love holidays. I think what I'm more searching for is how can this action be explained in the navigating way? Because it looks preserving. Yeah. And I think those are the those are the tensions that I'm feeling within myself. I'm like, yeah, but I, I mean like I love working out and I'm I'm very conscious about what I eat and money's important, nice things are important, cozy place is important, like but it's as they are to everyone. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. And so and so and this is what it comes down to with the instinctual bias, right? What is it that separates you know, our individual behavior from what everybody does, you know? I mean, everybody wants enough money. Everybody wants enough food. Everybody wants to be healthy, right? It's just once we get beyond that baseline, how much of our attention goes to it? You know, I always like to think of this as discretionary attention, okay? Meaning, I don't have to think about anything. Where does my mind go, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, if I haven't eaten in two days, I'm going to be preserving, Right. right, you know, and and we see at different points in people's lives, their mind, their attention goes to a particular area. Right, you want to see transmitting, go to a college town on a Saturday night, right, and you're gonna have a whole, you know, you're gonna have ninety percent of the population that's in transmitting mode mm. at the local bars, right? Why? Because they're you know young adults looking for love. All things being equal, and when we're talking about discretionary time, where does the mind go? Where does the energy go? Mm. Where do the values show up? And that's how we know. Yeah, that's helpful. So let's transition a little bit deeper into the actual topic of preserving. And we talk about the subdomains and the other things associated with those subdomains. So Mario, why don't you go ahead and share with yeah. us um, those things? So as we've talked about before, uh, we're not talking about one singular instinct that drives you know, a whole bunch of behaviors. We're talking about a multitude of uh, adaptations that respond to specific environmental stimuli. And we can group those into subdomains and then sub-subdomains, right? And in one of the earlier episodes when we talked about, we talked about those three, that kind of next layer down of um, uh, things within the uh, preserving domain. And those are... Um, uh, security, well-being, and resources, and maintenance, okay? So am I safe? Am my offspring safe, right? Do I have the things that I need so that I'm comfortable? And am I keeping the things around me in good repair? Okay. But we can take each one of those and break them down a little further. Now, there's a million ways to do this. We talked about that before as well. Uh, Russ Hudson has his way of kind of grouping them, and, you know, it's just fairly arbitrary, and we could extend this out. We could have made this, you know, 12 
categories if we wanted, but you got to stop somewhere. Within the security area, we run into this. So first of all, there's basic safety, right? Am I, you know, did I lock the doors? You know, am I, you know, not going to get run over by a car? You know, those sort of things. But, you know, those are, those are silly examples. But ensuring that my environment is one that is safe and secure. Now, the second area is one that's really important to understand when we're having this conversation. It's about relationship. Right, because I've met so many people who say, "Oh, I'm I'm one to one," because I'm I'm sorry, yeah, I'm a one to one or sexual subtype because it's really important to me to be close to my significant other. Right, my primary relationship is fundamental to me, but that's not transmitting, right? And in fact, what we often see in preservers is this need for closeness to the significant significant other. Right. It's more of a blanket. I want you close. <laughs> exactly. It, it's, it's a security blanket, right? It makes me feel good. You make me feel good just by being here, mm. right? And, uh, you know, don't touch me, but don't go away either, right? You know, or maybe touch me, but, you know, <laughs> it's not all about, you know, it's not kind of this passionate thing we always think about mm. in that other domain, but it's, I feel safe this way. And when you say feel good, that's going to be defined differently from a preserver to a navigator to a transmitter. Absolutely right. And and so what it is with a preserver is I just, I feel safe. You know, when you're there, Grounded. I feel safe. Okay. And not because I think somebody's going to come hurt me if you're not here, but just, you know, again, like Mario says, it's like a security blanket, right? Um, just, okay. I I feel complete now in some way. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and we're not talking only about kind of partners. I can think of my mother who is, she's a preserver as well. She's a preserving six. And she needs to talk to me every day. I have 10-year-old kids and I don't need to talk to her <laughs> every day, but my mom does with me and I'm a lot mm. older than my kids. And if I don't respond to her messages, she's like, is everything okay? And it just makes her feel good to know that I'm there, to know how I'm doing. And she needs it. And I don't. Yeah. So it's not a matter of just being a mother. It's a matter of how preserving she is, and I'm not. There's an, a, another element related to this. You know, we'll hear people talk about, uh, oh, I'm, I'm one-to-one, you know, or, or the sexual subtype, because I like to interact with one person at a time or, you know, in small groups. But that, again, is a very common preserving way of interacting with people, right? I, I want to interact with a small group that I feel comfortable by that doesn't get too complex. It's not too draining. It's not too draining. It's not distracting. It's not hard to follow. I just, I've got this little group, my two or three friends, we hang out all together all the time and everything is good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, There's a really interesting book called Social Chemistry by uh, a woman's name is Marissa King and she describes different networking styles. And she described, and, and they track exactly to the three instinctual domains, right? And the preservers are all about this small group that feels comfortable and safe for me. How would you differentiate between someone who would consider themselves more introverted that the energy thing is a component with any social interaction, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are preserving? Introversion and extroversion are complicated terms, okay? And there are different aspects of each of them, 
right? So we tend to call somebody introverted if they don't talk too much, right? And somebody extroverted if they talk a lot. Okay. Uh, we also can talk about how people get their energy. Do I get my energy by going, you know, uh, away or do I get my energy from, uh, being out around people? Okay. Nobody is pure in either one of those things. It all manifests itself differently. And they, there are multiple factors that go into that instinctual bias, for example, and, but also type can be a factor as well, right? So we get this kind of complex stew happening around introversion and extroversion. Now, typically what happens is with preservers, I get that I need relationships. I get that I need to interact with people at work or socially, but it drains me, okay? It is something that, you know, I do when I have to, but there's a cost associated with it, okay? Now, with navigators, we get into a different phenomenon, okay? Navigators are not extroverted in the classic sense because they don't always need to be engaged with people or talk to people, and they don't like to be around people that they don't find very interesting, Okay, that's kind of common, you know, among human beings, but it's a very clear thing with navigators. But they're also afraid of missing out on things, right? So when there's something interesting happening, if there's an interesting group of people meeting or being around, I want to be there, right? And I'm probably going to stick around to the end because I don't want to miss anything. Now, that'll look a little bit different, you know, um, from type to type, but usually at the end of a party, the people left sitting around at the end are the navigators, okay, because they're just having good old time conversing. Now, most navigators, you ask them, are they extroverted? They're going to say no, kind of maybe somewhere in the middle. Hmm. Now, with transmitters, they look extroverted. They look like, you know, oh, I'm the life of the party. I love being here, et cetera, et cetera. And while they're around people, they will be outgoing and expressive and transmitting. And there's a part of them that wants to go home. And they would define themselves as introverts many times. Yes, yes. Even though anybody looking at them would say, this is an introvert? What, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah, they're many times very private about their lives and certain aspects that they don't want to share. It sounds like you're saying none of, the, none of them would identify themselves as extroverts. I have yet to find anybody who says, oh, absolutely, I'm an extrovert. Mm -hmm right? You might occasionally see somebody, oh yeah, I like to, you know, be the life of the party or something like that. But they will always then say, but you know what? There's this other side of me that's really introverted. Every, read any interview with any Hollywood actor or actress, right? And they're all going to talk about, it. you know, everybody looks at them, oh my goodness, it's such an extrovert, you know, and so forth. And they're all going to talk about needing their privacy and wanting their privacy. You haven't met my mom. <laughs> well, there's she, still time. Creed. She, ex <laughs> she uh, exchanges recipes with strangers in the grocery store on a regular basis. So. But see, but see again, that's you know, and again, I, I don't know anything about your mother, yeah. right? But that is a transmitting sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And what is her enneagram type? If Two. Uh, well, there you go, right? So that is kind of you know, hey, let me connect you by sharing this thing with you, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna give you this recipe whether you want it or not, <laughs> you know, and you're gonna love it, and you know all that sort of thing. Yeah. And I need, I need somebody to connect with, so you know, and this is the way that transmitting twos transmit is by connecting to people so they can transmit to them. Mm. Right? But I guarantee you, there's a part of your mother that wants to be left alone when she's ready to be left alone. So the last sub-subdomain is risk 
management. Maria Jose, you want to explain this? Yeah, sure. So, and it's interesting because we used to have risk avoidance in these, as this concept, and we've noticed that preservers can take risks, but they're managed. They know what they're getting yeah. into. They know what the potential pitfalls are, and they know how much they want to invest on it. Whereas it time or energy or money or so they don't do it without thinking they do take risks but they're very well managed they pay a lot of attention to it uh you know from there so so that's kind of the safety things that we talked about right risk management relationships people that keep me safe etc and then we have well-being and resources and this is what people mostly talk about when they talk about the self-pres subtype you know am i you know am i comfortable do i have enough toilet paper all these sort of things uh we break those down into um, comfort supply and health okay and you know and and toilet paper is a leading indicator <laughs> yeah of, but let me share know, this the, let me share this yeah go ahead so <laughs> I just hate so much to buy toilet paper that there was this toilet paper or, or thanks from home for home on sale some time ago. And I didn't pay any attention to what I was buying. And people are still making fun of me for how much toilet paper I bought, which is massive. <laughs> you know, they left it. I live in an apartment and in a building and downstairs where they left the toilet paper, the guy who is in charge of kind of the security and the building in general was laughing with my husband because of how much toilet paper <laughs> and like, do you have people invited to <laughs> go to the bathroom here? So what's the thing? What's going on? <laughs> What are you charging a quarter? <laughs> yeah. a quarter a drop, and and you could say that I'm preserving, but I bought a lot of toilet paper because I hate doing it. So I said, okay, let's take advantage of this sale, and yeah. I bought too much because I was not. I didn't even pay mm. attention to how much I was buying. Yeah, and and so again, this this gets to the subtlety of these issues, right? Because you know we, we joke about t t you know uh, toilet paper being a leading indicator. You know, people you know always buying loads of toilet paper and so forth. But the key is always, right? Rather than you know once a year, I just get fed up, and it's like if I have to go back to this freaking store one more time, and you know uh, you know, so I'm just going to be done with it and get it over with. Buy six pallets. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? But it's not because I'm thinking, oh, I, I, I'm afraid I'll run out of toilet paper and then life, will, as we know, it'll be over. But it's, I just can't stand thinking about this any more than I have to. So I'm going to be done with it. Right? Yeah, and, and I think that I, the pandemic was very useful in um, showing how toilet paper is important. It's one of the things that most supermarkets run out of when the pandemic started. And it's because, okay, I can run out of several things, but not toilet paper. <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and, and by the way, how one places the toilet paper roll on the holder is an huh. indicator of one's instinctual bias as well. No, wow. That's, yeah, that's, I was seeing how far we could milk There's this only toilet one way. paper thing. You know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Of the right way. The one. It's the right <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, enough about toilet paper, right? And so, um, <laughs> yeah. But 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 this is uh, about part of it. It's supply and how many, yes. how much resources I have, and how much do I need, and for how long it will last for. So it's not about having a lot or or a little, because depending on the type or the strategy. 
Some people will like to have the minimal, optimal amount of things. Some people will like to have a lot. But I know how much I have. I know how much time I have until I run out of it. I'll probably go and buy before I run out of it or put money in the bank before um, I run out of it. So it's the attention I pay to the supply rather than how much I have or I don't. And that's the key thing, mm, right? It's how great. much do I think about this, right? How much of an internal dialogue am I having in my head around these things? So uh, share a story. So, you know, Maria, Jose, and I, you know, obviously we've been working together a long time. And, you know, she lives in Chile. I live in the U.S. And I don't know how long ago, Maria, Jose, seven, eight years ago. when It was 2014. You got, you 2014. So eight years ago, Maria Jose and her husband came to the United States and we're in New York. And, you know, Tanya, my wife and I live, you know, 90 minutes away in Philadelphia. So we, you know, we got together and, you know, we, they had never met before. And, and Maria Jose's husband and my wife are both preservers. And, you know, so we're together, you know, having lunch and, you know, doing we're at a bar, uh, I think, like in the. Uh, well, in the it, it dragged on all day, yes. right? Yeah. So it started off at Carnegie Deli and then, you know, went to the, the other place we went. And it was just this litany of preserving things, right? Where can you <laughs> buy this? And how can you save on that? And, oh, I love to order things this way. And and and, and my wife and her husband were just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And Maria Jose and I are sitting there looking at each other like, oh, my God, you know, it's like, you know, when will this end? Torture. Um, it was, you know. And so, but they were in heaven because they each finally had somebody to talk to about the things they really care about. Again, it's about the energy and, and uh, energy that we put into something, the energy and attention to it, rather than, oh, he went out and bought a bunch of toilet paper, so he must be preserving. Yeah, Yeah, in this uh, well-being and resources, it's also comfort, as I think you mentioned before. And it's how do I prioritize or make decisions? So what am I going to wear? Is it going to be based on how it looks or is it going to wear based on uh, comfort? I might decide to not wear high heels because they're just uncomfortable or wear high heels for some time for the first hour and have my sandals in my bag and change during the party, you know. So it doesn't mean that all preservers are never going to wear high heels, but it's the attention that I pay to how comfortable or uncomfortable I'm going to feel in a particular situation. In my case... As a navigator, I couldn't care less. I want to fit. I want to use, wear, or do what's going to help me in the navigating domain. Position myself in a particular way, be seen in a particular way, even if it's uncomfortable. Is comfort always related to physical well-being? Or is there also like emotional or psychological comfort? No, it, it's it's all of those things, right? It, it is, you know, I want stability, right? So again, we'll find comfort in different ways, psychologically or emotionally, okay? But usually what the preserver is looking for is some sense of stability and consistency, okay? Uh, you could say, if you think of the big five, uh, neuroticism, right? Neuroticism is, we tend to think of it as a really negative thing, but it's a desire for stability and consistency in our world. Right, and when we start to lose that, we start to get anxious and so forth. So, in that way, preservers will tend to score a little bit higher in neuroticism 
on the big five assessment. Uh, so it's not just my physical well-being, it's my emotional well-being, it's my psychological well-being, it's my spiritual well-being. Yeah. I could be very comfortable in the job that I'm doing and not want, not want to move from it to another job. So health, is, again, is something that always gets talked about. And, you know, again, we run into an issue there because uh, people of all instinctual biases work out, go to the gym and do so religiously. Some do, some don't. And there are some preservers who are terrible at taking care of their health. But again, it's how much of my psychic energy gets tied up in this thing. Okay? And so what you'll hear the preservers doing is talking about it a lot. Right? It'll come up a lot at every opportunity. They'll talk about their aches and pains. They'll talk about, you know, staying safe from, you know, illness, all, all that, all that sort of thing. Uh, you know, again, I, I know you work out all the time, and you know, and I play tennis. Uh, Mario Jose plays tennis and for exercise, and I listen to you guys talk about playing tennis and working out. But <laughs> um, no, but you know, I, I did martial arts for years, right? I mean, for you know, ten, twelve years, you know, four or five times a week, I was training, but I wasn't doing it. Because I was anxious or nervous or concerned about my health, right? Yeah, I got to stay healthy, but I, but I enjoyed it. It was a social activity for me, right? I had a social community there around the martial arts school. And, you know, but there'll be these different reasons. And so, again, even though I know you, Creek, and I know that you exercise and, you know, that sort of thing, it's not something that comes up in our conversations, right? You know, it's not yeah. something that you work into the conversation. Now, I do have a brother-in-law who's a preserving for and he works it into the conversation, right? It's every time I see him, it's part of the conversation, mm -hmm. you know. Even though I couldn't care less about it. Right? <laughs> so. Yeah, I think in some ways the the desire to be healthy and to feel healthy is a way in order to continually maintain the things that I enjoy for a longer the, period of time. This is exactly the way navigators tend to think about their health and well-being. If I stay healthy, I can navigate more. Right? I can get out and see the world. I can be comfortable. Right? And, you know, I can be engaged. I can live the life of engagement in some way that I want to rather than being, you know, frail and limited that way. Yeah, to me, it's like freedom now that you mention it. And I'm doing a sport that people can do until very old and that it's very social and if i exercise or work out apart from in uh, from tennis is so that i can play better tennis and not hurt myself or anything like that it's at the service of continue to do it for a longer time that makes sense great yeah um so finally we have maintenance yeah, so this is ensuring, you know, I told the story in one of the earlier episodes about the uh, the swan in, in Bruges. You know, it's just this kind of knee-jerk response to maintaining my environment, right? This sort of automatic noticing of what needs to be fixed, what needs to be done, etc. Now, again, and Rio has pointed this out a number of times, uh, it doesn't mean the preservers always act on it. Right, they might notice and complain and say, "Oh, we really have to do something about that," and they might not do anything about it. Uh, but they'll keep noticing it and they'll keep talking about it. Right, they'll keep bringing it up. Yeah, but it doesn't go away. And so it's what needs to be fixed. And I, you know, I, I do you know assessment interviews with with clients and that sort of thing. And it's almost universal that men who are preserving will talk about, "Oh yeah, I like to do woodwork." 
I like to do, you know, uh, fix plumbing, you know, do things around the house, remodel things and, uh, you know, gardening, yard work, all that sort of stuff. Now, do only preservers do that? No. But, you know, and does every preserver do it? No. But it's highly correlated. Yeah, my husband is a preserver and I think he's a preserving five. So he's yeah. not into any of those activities that you mentioned, but he likes to stay in the nest. He likes to read, yeah. he likes to do things in the nest, and he feels very comfortable there. He doesn't need to go out. So he's nesting in a different way, not yeah. with kind of a lot of activity, but he's in the nest. And, th- and that goes back to, again, nobody does everything, you know, all these things. We're looking for preponderance of correlation, really. So to round up this this conversation around preserving, there's some contradictory behaviors within the preserving domain that can be confusing and not appear to be preserving. As we've described, we're not just talking about one monolithic instinct. We're talking about different adaptations. And the way our brains have evolved is in response to environmental forces. And humans throughout time have faced different environmental forces through which different adaptations have required. And there's more than one way to skin a cat, okay? So what I mean by that is that we can preserve ourselves sometimes this way and other times that way, right? They both foster preserving, but they seem like opposite kind of behaviors. For example... You know, our ancestors lived in a time of scarcity of food, okay? So I come across, you know, I, I, I kill an antelope, great, I have a choice, okay? I can't freeze the excess, right? I can't eat it all. I can't pace myself with antelope meat, right? So I face a choice. Do I try to save some of it for later? Do I try to save some of my resources for when I might need them? Or do I think, you know what, you got it now, you better eat it. So when it comes to the preserving domain, there are different ways of preserving, either by full nourishment now or pacing myself out, okay? And so we have these contradictory patterns in the brain. Some of them are internal, things that I'm wrestling with, and we call that a dissonance. In the preserver, that dissonance, that internal stress is being conservative versus being indulgent, meaning do I save my resources or do I indulge myself? They're both perfectly valid from the macro level of preserving. Yeah, and the indulgence right. doesn't have to be something unnecessary. It could be something that will be good for my health, for my well-being, and I just don't want to spend the resources on it. My mom is just all the time like that. It's like, yeah. I need to change the mattress, but I don't want to spend too much money on it. And I want to eat well, but this is too expensive. And and it's all the time with this inner monologue of like, where do I spend the resources and for something that it's preserving as well. Yeah, this is on sale, so I'm going to buy it because I'll save so much money. But, you know, I really shouldn't buy this because I don't really need it. But it is on sale, and so I'll be saving. And this, you know, and this, this should I buy this coat, right? Well, you know, oh, man, it's, it's you know, I, I like it, but it's going to keep me so warm. But then again, it's expensive. But if I get it now, you know, and, and, and so it's this torturing that the preserver does around how I use my resources. Mm. Okay. So, and we call it a dissonance because it's an internal stress. Mm. 
something my dad always says is we can't afford to save any more money. <laughs> this is, this is, yeah, I think that's a dad thing, right? Yeah, I mean, okay. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, you we know. haven't gotten to that episode yet. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But, you know, but it is, it, it is that kind of thing. And this is something that preservers can, you know, convince themselves of, oh, I saved so much by buying this thing. But no, you you know when you spend money, you're not saving you know you're not saving money, right? So yeah. Yeah. So, so, so it's interesting because, as I said, my mom does that all the time. So the a way she has found to solve it is to have me buying it for her. So she pays for it, <laughs> but I buy it online. You know, so <laughs> she recently <laughs> changed her bed, and uh, I bought it for her. So in her mind, it was just easier. Because she didn't do it, <laughs> and she's so happy with her new bed, so comfortable. Yeah, but she struggled for years with that issue. And we all do this to some extent, mm-hmm. but this is not a big internal conversation for navigators, right? It's like, you know, sometimes, sure, if I don't have enough money or, you know, there are really constraints. But, you know, the preservers spend a lot of time thinking about this. You know, navigators might do it sometimes, transmitters might do it something, but it's it's like the inner state of the preserver, right? Do I conserve or do I indulge? Okay. Mm. Now, that's the internal thing. There's an external manifestation that we see, and we call that the contradiction. And each of the instinctual biases has both a specific dissonance and a specific contradiction we talk about. The contradiction is an external manifestation, right? Well, at least what I like to say is the dissonance is how I drive myself crazy. The contradiction is how I drive you crazy, right? And for preservers, it is selfishness versus nurturing. Uh, yeah, nurturing versus selfishness. And it's, and it's puzzling when you observe them because sometimes they're very nurturing. They give a lot to their environment, especially those people close to them. But, when it comes to giving, there's a certain point when they say, I need to have enough for myself and that I cannot afford to give these to other people. And they seem to be very selfish. It's like, I mean, what's the problem? Why can't you give now to these people? I mean, they need it. You have the money, but it's, or the resources in general, but you can see like these line that they cross and they seem selfish and sometimes Mm. very nurturing. The way I like to think of this is, you know, here, have a piece of pie, but if it's the last one, do not touch my pie, right? Uh, You you know, so it's, it's, I I, I want you to be okay as well. Mm. And that'll vary, you know, based on the type, for example, as well. You know, of course, there's always variation in these things, but it's because, again, the preserving is not just self-preservation. It's preservation of the people that I care about and their well-being, mm-hmm. too. So I want to give except when I feel some scarcity, yeah. and then you better stay away from my stuff. I believe my father is a preserving five, and mm-hmm. he will literally, quote, squirrel away snacks so that we don't eat them. Um, yes. So then yes. it becomes my quest to find his hiding spots. And um, yes, and so- yes. <laughs> some of the some of the biggest fights we've had here at home. It's like who ate this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, does it really matter? We can buy another one. No, but who ate it? Yeah. I need to know. You know. <gasps> That's amazing. 
<laughs> when I was a kid, my, my mother's a preserving nine, and when I was a kid, she would squirrel away these devil's food cookies, right? On top of the refrigerator, there'd be this pack of these, you know, delicious devil's food cookies. And we were not allowed to have them. They were hers, you know, and they were up there taunting us, right? You could see them up there, right? <laughs> She's kind of rubbing it in our faces. But for me, it was all about getting those just for spite, right? Just because, you know, <laughs> who are you to tell me I can't have something, right? And, you know, and, you know, and as soon as I could, I would buy my own, you know, and eat them in front of her and, you know, yes. just to, again, show dominance. But, yeah. uh, you know, but, but you're, you're right. It's the, don't touch my stuff. Mm. Mm-hmm. So our final segment for the preserving episode is how does a preserver navigate and how does a preserver transmit? So we talk about these zones, right? These, um, the zone of enthusiasm, meaning the, it's the, it's the instinctual bias that is most interesting to us. We get energized by the zone of inner conflict, meaning I kind of do it, kind of don't. I do it, but it comes at a cost. I never feel like I'm doing it quite well enough. And then the zone of indifference. Right. Just don't care about it. With preservers, what we hear over and over and over again, I'm actually working with a group of 20 people right now. I'm about to do a, um, a three-hour Enneagram session for them. So I'm doing pre-interviews. And they're with a bank. And so there's a high proportion of preservers among these 20 people. And I keep seeing the same thing over and over again. They're all about the preserving. I want order. I want structure. I want process. I want to take care of my physical well-being. In the navigating domain, yeah, I get that it's important. I understand I need people around me in case I need something, right? I, I need a backup plan, okay? So I have a small group of people that I'm close to, but beyond that small group, it becomes an energetic drain. And I just, I, I can go to the party and have a good time for a while, and then I want to leave, right? I can follow the office politics or gossip for a while, and then I want to get back to work, right? So it's the zone of inner conflict. Go yeah, and it's like, I'm able to understand the politics. I'm able yes. to understand who is who, to identify them, to know what's going on. But I want to stay, I want to get out of there. I want to do it yeah. too much. And right. I don't want to be one of those people who are all the time doing it because it's a waste of time. And There's also this aspect where preservers are a bit anxious about not surrounding themselves with more people, not reaching out to people who might be important, useful today or in the future. And they are aware of it. Yeah. Kind of they understand the yes. importance of it, but many times they're not willing to do it now. I'll do it later. Mm. I have it as a to-do thing in my list, but mm. I don't get to do it or as much as I think I need to. Yeah. And there's also an insecurity about it, right? So they'll, they'll question themselves about their social engagement, right? Meaning, should I have said this or should I really said that, right? Should I, maybe I should have put it this way. And they'll agonize more over emails and that sort of thing because I don't feel as comfortable in the navigating domain as navigators do. Now, when we're younger, we feel uncomfortable with those things. So you take a 25-year-old navigator and they're going to have anxiety in the navigating domain. But a healthy 45, 50-year-old navigator is, well, this is what I do. I know how to do this. I know how to write an email. So there's this anxiety in the expression of that domain as well, this insecurity. So my mom's still working and she's very good at what she does. And I think she can deal with pretty much any situation, 
But as she needs to write a politically challenging email, she'll call me. I said, what should I say here? Yeah. I said, like, yeah. and I'm thinking, why is she asking me something so simple in my mind? Right. But it's because right. it's challenging politically. And yeah. that she's not comfortable enough with. In the third domain, the transmitting domain, what we find with preservers is they're just not that interested in it. You know, again, I hear preservers over and over again saying, you know, you you do a good job, keep your head down, and you'll get ahead. You know, you'll get a promotion by doing good work. I'm not going to be somebody who's pounding my own chest, telling everybody how great I am, trying to stand out, trying to show off. I'm just going to do my job, and that's enough. And what always ends up happening is that they're doing a great job, but nobody's paying any attention to it. Nobody's noticing it. They don't get recognized. They do not promote themselves, which is a very much transmitting activity, and they get overlooked, right? So this indifference leads to a vulnerability. Yeah, and it's it's like I shouldn't need to do that. It's not necessary, but it's not supposed to be necessary. It's a, and we need to remember, I think, that this is how much val- how much I value each of these domains. Right. So preservers don't value the transmitting domain as much as they value the other two. Uh, so I shouldn't need to do that. Now, the, there's always in all profiles, I think, this distortion around the different domains. And when you ask them to think about transmitting, they'll usually in their minds portray the worst case scenario. That transmitter who is talking about his or her accomplishments with no substance and talking all the time. So in their minds, when they think about it, they think about that version of transmitting. They don't think about a healthy, adaptive transmitter who does uh, promotes themselves fairly and not too much. No, 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 they go to the extreme. And understanding yeah. that really helps when you're working with them. Understanding yeah. that that's where their, mind, their minds go when you're talking mm. about it. Yeah, you, you hear preservers all the time, at, at, particularly in the workplace, saying, I don't want to be that person, right? I don't want to be that person who always needs to have their voice heard, who always has to find something to say. I want to just be the opposite of that. Right, so they be, they fall into this binary thinking about it, and I imagine it can be mistaken as humility. Yes, yes, and it's um, it's kind of a false humility. So so it can be an indifference, right? Yeah, mm. I, I want to be careful about it's, that. I, so I would say that humility. it's an unnecessary humility because it feels authentic to mm. them, mm-hmm. but it's not useful. It's not necessary. It's not fair. It's uh, it's not showing the value of the person in an accurate way. Now, again, we got to be careful because the strategy, the Enneagram type, will, you know, have variation when it comes to this, right? So, you know, particularly with threes, right, preserving threes. Uh, Preserving threes can look a little bit, they can look more transmitting than they really are, but it's because they're striving to feel outstanding. Right, and it's, but it's a different set of things, and uh, you know, in this group of twenty people that I just talked to, I'd say at least seven of them were preserving threes, right? and each one of them scored really high on the transmitting elements of an assessment. But, but they all say, "Yeah, I don't, you know, I want to be recognized, but I don't want to draw attention to myself." Right? Yesterday, I went out with the preserving three. She was just appointed a huge role that I don't want to mention so that I don't expose her. 
And she's like, yeah, who am I to do that? You know, can you, do you see me doing that? Or it's like, she doesn't, and she doesn't want that role to define her either, you know? But when you see her on stage, she's great. She does such a good job. She's brilliant. But there's something about not believing that and not, not only believing, but not wanting to show off with those kind of things labels. Well, I don't know about you, but um, my, my, my belly is telling me it's time to eat. So um, <laughs> this will be the, uh, the end of the preserving episode. Uh, tune in next time. We're going to be talking about navigating. Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awarenesstoaction.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awarenesstoaction.com slash podcast.